0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Roro Show with Stephen. Today, I don't have Stephen with me. Today, we have a special guest. We have Dr. John Lyle. He is a doctor of veterinary medicine here in Kansas City. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lyle. Thanks a lot, Roro. Hey, so... um a little bit about your background. You went to K State for veterinary medicine. Is
1: that correct? Um, I did, but it was it was kind of an around the horn the thing. <clears throat> I didn't really want to be a veterinarian at first. My dad was a vet. I grew up around it. By the time I went to college, I was sick of it. Um, I was going to So, did m- you go to college originally to be a vet, and then you were like, eh, maybe backed off it, and then switched again, or no? You didn't even- okay, no. I kind of. It, it, it's a interesting story. I went to KU. Things did not go well. I got arrested. I went to jail. Life was spinning out of control. I went to northern Iowa, ran track for the track team, um, got my life together, joined the Marines to go to officer candidacy school, got kicked out of the officer candidacy school because I walk in my sleep. Woke up one morning and I'm like... I mean, like, that's
0: literally... They kicked you out because you walk in your walk in your sleep? Yes,
1: yes. I mean, I
0: understand where that would be a thing, but I've never even heard of that. I mean, I think my cousin, when I was little, when my cousin sleepwalked, but
1: I, 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 that's okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, they, they ask you that when you fill out a form when you come in. And so I kind of fudged that I had walked in my sleep after 13 and, and actually walked in my sleep up to 45. I tossed my wife out of bed beat up a friend, t- wow. jumped out a window. It, so, yeah, it's bad.
0: So let me, okay, now I'm changing directions here. I've always heard that you're not supposed to wake someone that's sleepwalking. For someone that is sleepwalking, do you know, is that true or not true, or
1: do you have um, any? It's not true. You 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 can wake them up. I mean, you, you probably need to wake them up to interrupt if they're going to do something dangerous. right? And so it, it, there there's, there's no truth to, oh, just let them sleep. Because... Uh, you know that you can get yourself into trouble. I mean, if they're running or muck around the house and fall down the stairs or crash into something, you should have woke them up. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I just always heard that that you were you were
0: in no way, shape, or form that it would, I don't know, break them or something. I don't know. Yeah, so no,
1: okay. No. So so out of officer officer candidacy school. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so I woke up and um I you know just I had no idea what I was going to do. Throughout college, I had always kind of did my own thing. I never had a college advisor. I kind of signed off on some things like I was a college advisor. And so I picked my own path as far as school goes and got to. So luckily, I had all the rec- core requirements to get into vet school. Um, I think it helped that I had grown up in a house with a, my father was a veterinarian. Um, and, and so I think that that helped a little bit to get me in. But I applied at K-State after I had transferred there from northern Iowa and got in on the first go around with, the, with the, the application, and the rest is history. That's awesome.
0: Now, K-State is a world-renowned veterinary school, correct? I think
1: so. They have, they have a new um, the, the, the bioterrorism laboratory there at K-State now. And so it's, it's, it's really on the grow. Um, I think that it's a really good vet school. Um it's it seems like it's in the middle of nowhere, but it it it's great school. Right. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. So now
0: you choose only do people when they get to vet school, do they choose like small animals, large animals? Do you have a preference? Do you I mean
1: it, it has changed a little bit. <clears throat> when I was in school, they you had to learn everything. Like you we had large animal rotations, equine rotations, um surgery rotations, you, you had an opportunity to take exotic animal rotations, and emergency medicine rotation, and anesthesia rotation, surgical rotation. So you you, you go through all of the, the, the disciplines of veterinary medicine, um, and then you can pick electives during that senior year of what you're going to get. Um, now, I think in many schools, the last two years you can track where – you're tracking small animal medicine, and so you don't have to deal with pigs or right. horses or cows or things like that. Which so you, know, makes so more they n- you don't even have to do that then? There, there are some schools where they track you, and you don't have to take some of the, the other large animal classes. Now, this
0: is off subject. You may have never even heard Have you ever heard of a veterinary school in St. Kitts? I have, yeah. I have. Is it a good, or is that for people that cannot find a school here that will accept them and that's why they go there, or is it? A good school just – because the reason I ask is Bobby and I, we uh, had a meeting for a company, and it was in St. Kitts, and we went there, and we met a whole bunch of students that worked at the uh, the resort that we were staying at and everything that went to veterinary school there. And yes. I forget the name of it now. It's been many years, but I didn't know if that was a school for people that couldn't get in. Like I always think about when we were growing up, there was uh, the invasion of Grenada, Yes, and that was to save American medical students that were going to Grenada because they, I'm pretty
1: sure they they could get into medical school there, but not here. Um, you know, I think I think Saint Kitts is a good school. Ironically, okay. it, it the the people come out of Saint Kitts have a little higher debt than than people in the stateside schools, um, and so I I do think that it's a a decent school. Um, I mean, obviously you're limited on what kind of cases you get, right? When you're on a tropical Caribbean island versus in the United States, but they they make those people that are at St. Kitts um, come to the United States and do their senior rotation at a university okay. in the States. And then they have to they have to get a license, a um, an overseas license to to be able to practice medicine. But most of those the, the kids that go to to, <clears throat> to the school in St. Kitts um, have to come to the states and and they'll take a senior rotation where they learn and have a little more case immersion than you're going to get. Okay, on the island.
0: I mean, I just I just never knew. I I looked at them and because that was my first thing It's like I told Bobby it's like oh they must be here because they couldn't get into a school. I, that's just what I assumed because it was such a far off land and it just seemed like such an odd place. Yeah, I mean, because when we were there, which would have been like 2008 or nine. We flew in and half the island was dark and we asked the pilot and they go, well, they alternate sides of the island that gets power. I was like, oh, and they go, but don't worry. The resort you're in always has power. I was like, great. Thanks. I mean, it was just so weird. And so when they were talking about that school, I just it just seemed like an odd place for it to be. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here, because I don't even know if this is a thing. Where we're, When we're recording, it is turning into winter here in Kansas City. So I don't know where people may be listening to this from. Is there such a thing of like winterizing your pets? Is there something that needs to be done, whether you have an indoor cat, an outdoor dog, indoor, outdoor? Is there anything that should be done as a weather change? And Not necessarily. I'm just thinking about it because it's winter now. But even like are there certain things that you should do to your dog as the season change,
1: or not? Um, I don't know that there's necessarily anything you need to do as far as winterizing your your dog. You're not going to put the the plastic wrap around them like you would your windows. Um, it's more being aware of temperature, um, being aware of what happens when they're outside. Um, I mean, if if you're leaving a dog outside in an uninsulated house, you know expect to have problems if that temperature right. gets below twenty um, or twenty five. People that put uh, coats and thing, sweaters on their dogs? I mean, I think that's okay. It's going to obviously insulate them. It does? Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to ask whether, I mean. Well, it, it helps to trap heat. And so right. it, I think I think it's helpful if your dog's going to be outside and you're worried about them being cold. You know, put, put that on them. It's not going to hurt them. I mean, a lot of times people will, are not aware of just how cold it is. And so they'll go out, their dog's been out all day. The bowl of water is frozen. Right, and has been frozen for at least a day. Um, at my clinic, we we actually had um, it, it, it. I I can't even say its name. It, it, its name started with an N and ended with an R, and it came in literally frozen, almost. And I thought the dog was dead when it arrived, and it had been outside. They said, "Oh, it was only out there a few hours," which was not true. Right, um, and and so we're looking at this dog, and and I'm listening for a heartbeat. And all of a sudden, I get a lub dub. I'm like, no way, lub dub. The dog is stiff, lub dub. I'm like, this dog is alive. And so we we hooked it up to warmed IV fluids. We we got it. We we renamed the dog Ice Cube because no one, I'm not going to let anybody right. in the clinic use that name. And so
0: we we renamed. And the that dog. was the person that owned the dog. They brought it in like that, and that they told you that was oh yeah, the dog. The,
1: oh yeah. Cool. cool. New, new clients signed up, and, and so you know. I'm going to let them name the dog whether they want to, but I'm not going to say that in my clinic. And so we we renamed him Ice Cube. And we we were able to revive Ice Cube. It took about three days to get her to come around, right? Um, which was, was fantastic. But I think that's just an example of where, I mean, sometimes people forget um, just how cold it is out there and that if it's uncomfortable for you, it's going to, and, and you have a dog that's, a dog that's a short-haired dog that's not a northern breed dog, you know, like your Bernese Mountain Dogs or your Newfoundlands or your Great Pyrenees or you know the dogs that come from northern climates, if you feel cold, your southern climate dog is going to feel cold. Right. And then you also have to be extra careful about their feet as far as like...
0: I was going to ask. So on pavement, I know in the summertime, especially in a Florida boy, it is easy to burn your feet on pavement and i've always said if i'm not going to go barefoot on pavement and i have very tender feet then i would never take my dog on pavement in the the summertime like that i may walk her in the grass or something are they susceptible i mean because of their pads like burning on asphalt I i mean can can is the cold just like if i wanted to walk the dog and i'm all bundled up even if i think she's bundled up with a sweater
1: on or her feet and pads because of the cold. I mean, they have an advantage in that if you look at their, their, their pads, which are their contact surface with the ground, um, their pads are a lot tougher than our hands and feet are. Right. Um, And so they do have some insulation there, but they still, you know, they're going to get cold and, and they're prone to having, you know, some frostbite or some things happen where, you know, you'll get ice build up and, and between the toes, which can be an issue, but most people they're aware of that. They, they, You know, they take care of the feet, they get everything squared away, and uh, it's not that big a deal.
0: We live, there's a walking path right across from us, and I see people in the summertime when it's, you know, 100 degrees out, and that asphalt has been sitting in the sun all day long, and it's 4 o'clock. And it's like they keep trying to pull their dog back from the grass, like, you know, get on the asphalt. it's like your dog's going to the grass for a reason. It's because you're burning its feet. I mean, I just to me, I don't know. And, and do you, I mean, are they that susceptible in the in the heat? Would they be more susceptible or not? Well, I mean, I think
1: that I, I think obviously there's more insulation than if you're walking barefoot in your in your black asphalt parking lot. Um, and and so I think that definitely some dogs it's going to burn. I mean, because you know if the 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 asphalt temperature is 110, 115, 120 degrees right. on a hot summer day, that's going to hurt, right? You know, whether you're a dog or a person, right? Now,
0: I skipped over the most important question: Why are dogs better than cats?
1: Whoa, that's a loaded question. I know. Bro. I'm just so <laughs> that's a, that and, is. A, I'm and, not going to touch that
0: one. So we talked about on a, on the podcast with Stephen before. I've talked about how. I, it's not that I mind cats. I am very allergic to cats. Even recently, a couple of days ago, my eyes started watering and itching, and I had just started talking to someone, and I said, do you own cats? And he goes, yeah, four. And I was like, oh. And I didn't say anything else. And it literally when he left, my eyes st- stopped itching. So that's one of the problems that I have with cats. The only one I that I know of that I haven't been allergic to is one of my sister's cats, Ziggy, who I love. It's great. So my thing is, it's not I don't like cats. I just can't. If I want to be feeling all right, then I can't be around them. So but so I've always been a, a dog person, but you know that. Yeah. So do you oh,
1: own yeah. both cats and dogs? Yes, we have three dogs and five cats. We're four cats now. Okay. okay. So, so we have so, a lot of critters.
0: You do have a lot of critters, but that comes with the territory, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, how many of those critters, were they all intentional or were any of them, well, this doesn't have anywhere else to go, so we're the best option for it right now
1: we had a, a we have a pit bull um, named jane that uh, all of a sudden showed up underneath our solar panels uh-huh. and was pretty skinny um, looked as if she just had a, a, a litter of pups and just hung around and, and my wife and my daughter started feeding her because she's a little standoffish a little growly she, she seemed like she'd bite you and we gained her trust and so we've had her for seven years i think we've had her now Man, I love the pity smile. Yeah. And she, you know, she has that. And then she, she's, but she's very territorial and is very protective of us now. So she, we have to put her away when people come over or she'll bite you. Um, We've got a a Bernie's mountain dog. We've got. Or Bernie's mountain dog poodle mix. We have a Bernie doodle <laughs> and that one, you know, that kind of dropped in our lap as well. Where some friends um, were in Kuwait and they sent her to us because in the Middle East, they're not really big dog fans. Right. And then it goes back to your deal of, you know, temperature and, and thermal right. issues. Well, it was too hot there. She's a Northern breed dog. She has long hair. Um, the people don't like her. The ground's always hot. There's no grass. She didn't belong there. And so she mailed the dog to us and we've been, we've, Adopted her, I guess, and so now she's ours. Um, and then our, our on-purpose dog was a, a standard poodle, Gilda, who's 15. Wow. And then with the cats, the cats all just kind of showed up. We, My wife traps some orange cat. We call her Jewel. Um, she's semi-feral. We see her sometimes. Um, we had a bottle-fed cat that Reagan took care of who is mean and likes to pee in the house. And, and, and so she's she's um, Vita, which, and then we've got... Two cats that we did pick up that we we wanted that we had adopted. But and so uh, that's about it on our cat thing.
0: Now, I wanted to ask you on your pity. Kansas City, Missouri, I because I, I wrote down BS, BSL for breed-specific legislation. I hear that some of that's being removed, like in Johnson County, Kansas. Has that been a law? I mean, have you seen restrictions against breeds, and how do you think that – because I'm always the – in just as an outsider, I always think that it is the owner's responsibility. And so to blame a breed and outlaw a breed – and we've had Dobermans, and you've known this, for the last 25 years. There's only one insurance company that we, – because we put it on our insurance. We've never had a bite issue, but if we ever do – and there's only one company will do that – and the only reason they'll do it is because there's no bite history. We've had 25 years of no bite history. I, I, do you find much breed specific legislation going around where cities are, and then people are trying to get around that? Because I remember I, Dr. Teeter, who worked with your dad, a friend of mine who died in a car accident, I took on his pit bull. But when I took it to Dr. Teeter, and this would have been 94, Five No, or, uh, January of 96, I think they put it down as a mix. Yeah. Because I think at the time yeah. it couldn't be termed, even though you looked at it and you're like, oh, that's a pit bull. I mean, but it was a mix. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, with the BSLs, they have been kind of pulled back. I mean, in, in Kansas City, I think they were considering a BSL. Um, this is, gosh, probably. 10, 9, 10, years ago. And I okay. actually spoke out. I went to, and they had a big hearing about it. And I spoke out about it, um, being against the BSL. The hard part that you run into though, with, with the breed specific legislation, look at statistics. I mean, statistics, unfortunately, or fortunately don't lie. And so you, you look at the statistics of dogs that bite and the dogs that are involved in, in confrontations with people that end poorly. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the dogs that are on the BSL list are over, overrepresented as, as you know the biters that right. sort of belong on the list. And the hard part with that is that does that is that associated with the dog where the dog has more aggressive tendencies and the owners that have them aren't prepared to do the things that they need to do to overcome that? <clears throat> or is it a problem where even with appropriate training, these dogs have some dangerous tendencies that in the right situation are going to be a problem. Um, in my experience with, with dogs, and it may just be my clinic, a lot of dogs are, we're going to throw them in the backyard. My dog loves me, and I, I never have any problems with my dog. And, but if they're put in the wrong situation because they're not socialized correctly, they haven't learned how to interact in stressful situations, You know, a bite will happen. If that bite happens with the chihuahua, you're not going to hear about it. No one got hurt right. or not hurt seriously where it's going to be an issue. If you get by, bit by a pit bull, you know, you're in the hospital or it, the wound requires care, You know medical facilities are supposed to report bite wounds regardless of the breed. And so then it goes down the chain. Is it you know,
0: regardless it, of severity too? Or if just someone <clears throat> shows up and they say a dog bit me,
1: it has to be reported? T- technically – it's supposed to be reported. Okay. If you go to the hospital, it, it's kind of like a gunshot. If you go to the hospital, gunshot shot, you know, it goes down a chain that that reports that. The same is true with dog bites because it, it, there's a public health significance or a public nuisance associated with that, and so it, it's supposed to be reported. It's a lot of paperwork for the doctor who sees you, and so a lot of times that doesn't get reported. Right. But if you get bit by a Chihuahua, it's not a big deal. You right. By a, a, a little. <clears throat> Dachshund again, not a big deal. Sheltie, no big deal. If you get bit by a big dog like a shepherd or a pit bull or even a Labrador Retriever or any dogs like that, it, it's going to hurt. You're more likely to end up getting stitches, needing antibiotics. Do pit
0: bulls have a stronger bite pressure? Like a, a game? Because I remember like in for some reason our dobermans have always missed a tooth on one side of their mouth on the lower which mm-hmm. is by breed it that's that's fine i mean that, i guess that's part of the standard or can be and so it's very easy to open their mouth i stick my whole my finger in that gap and i can wedge yeah. your mouth open i remember the, our next door our old next door neighbors got a the this cutest pity baby and, but it bit on my finger, and I could not get its mouth open for the life of me. I was trying to get my finger, and it wasn't, we were just playing. It wasn't trying to do anything, but its mouth was shut, and I could not get my finger out of that mouth. Do they have a stronger bite than? They do. They do? I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, pounds per okay, square inch. I wasn't,
1: I wasn't imagining that. No, 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 okay. you're not imagining that. I mean, pounds per square inch, just, I mean, it's like, I mean, they're super muscular dogs. Yeah, and, they are. And so if you have, say, a little Lassa Opsa, and you compare their, pound per square inch bite to a pit bull pit bull that weighs 90 pounds there's going to be a big difference
0: can you tell if someone has a pit bull and they may be using it for less than what we would say would be legal or moral purposes of a dog i mean like I'm so, obviously I'm saying like fighting or something sure. like that. Yeah, I mean, can you tell if someone if it's been used for that or?
1: I mean, there's there's some things that you see. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a the proverbial fighting crop where literally someone in a garage cut the dog's ears completely off, and, and so literally they take these puppies when they're born or close to when they're born, and they get their ears chopped off. I mean, luckily. I mean I think it's something that's still out there but as we have become more educated and as you know animal control does a better job of controlling some of this stuff those numbers have gone down but you know there's still pockets of that that goes on now
0: and correct me if I'm wrong cuz I don't know where I would have heard this but I think I remember hearing that Missouri was one of the puppy mill capitals of the United States
1: Yeah it's true um I think that there's there was just there's and, and they may still be I don't I don't follow that as much as I used to um, but definitely the there's and there was an over we were overrepresented with a number of breeders in okay. the in the in the state and they just pump out puppies they do and uh, you know the the
0: doberman that we currently have was a came from a puppy mill was rescued from a puppy mill and Arkansas and where her dew claws are, I just look at that and it and it hurts me because it looks like they were just ripped out of her arm, and the, the scars there where her dew claws were, I just see that and, and to me I'm just like Ugh. I mean that that just pains me, and I've been watching a lot of videos about dog rescues and from all over the world and stuff like that because that. That really touches – I don't know why I get so emotional about that, and my wife's like, well, maybe you should do – maybe you should do something. Maybe you should start a dog rescue or something. I'm like, no, I would cry all the time. I mean, I just – and I would be beating up a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I'd be whooping a lot of ass because there are some of the things that I've seen on those videos where the dog starts from. It's amazing that they ever let a person touch them again. um it's it's weird and so that I was just wondering whether you saw that here in this city
1: you do I mean the thing that's hard to, to to get your wrap your head around with this is that I don't know that everybody starts out you know thinking oh when I grow up I want to own a puppy mill right but one thing just to kind of shift the the perspective or shift the point of view um, these, even though they're dogs and we are domesticated with them and we love them and they have a different status in our house, they are, for many breeders, they're cattle. I mean, it's just like, it's just like, I guess we have to, and this is a hard thing to, to, to get your head around, um, but we would have to take into consideration, okay, the dog is an animal. They have a different position in our house than, say, a cow or a goat right. or a sheep would, but why do we expect our dogs to be treated better than a cow or a sheep or some type of livestock and so what you have to realize is that to the breeder that runs a a, a puppy mill this is livestock right you you have a bottom line with what you need to make and to make that you have to do something to to change the the way that That we are – that you raise them and and cut costs and do things to – because essentially it's just like raising a cow.
0: Yeah, and if – so my – well, I know someone that breeds dogs for a living, not a puppy male, but they breed them. And it's so weird because when this person, they had brought in a new – I want to say a new female for for breeding purposes – and this person had left, came home, and the other dogs had torn that dog apart. Mm. But the way they said it was just like because it was to them. That was that was like if I like in photography, that is like if I bought a lens and then the lens got destroyed, oh well, I just go buy another that, you know that's it's not like um emotional, like um I mentioned my friend who I I got his, his pit bull when he had passed away. Well, I had always heard Maxine was the most wonderful loving dog, except I always heard it would go through anything to get to a cat. So after I had it, his parents lived in Las Vegas, so I finally shipped Max out to Las Vegas, and I'd heard after the fact that they had a, had a cat and tried to keep them separated, but they came home one day and the cat was just... All over the walls. It was all over Ooh. everything. Yeah, and I'm just like, but you know, to 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 them, that was like that was my pet, so that freaked them out. But to someone that, like you say, if it's a product, I mean, it's just like, well, I guess I need to get another puppy to do or uh, another breeding dog to do that. I didn't ask earlier, and I want to circle back to this because I'd mentioned dogs or cats, but is there one that's easier to treat? Because to me, <clears throat> dogs just seem like like my doberman who was not happy when you showed up today cuz she was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the heck was going on but she's just laying here next to us being you know and so to me I can talk to her she seems to understand me even when ziggy I'm getting along with my my sister's cat I don't think when I'm talking it has no clues to what I think I'm saying I mean I don't think it has a clue to that so are cats or dogs different in the treatment
1: um I mean obviously they they some there's some medications you can do- use in dogs that you can't use in cats because of the way their liver works and some enzymes that their liver doesn't have.
0: Well, I mean like just view like when you come to see them because dogs they're always on a leash and sometimes they'll go up to other dogs and then- every time a cat comes in it's in a pet carrier and almost every time I hear him it's like <laughs> and so I
1: mean I guess so I, I wasn't understanding the question okay, but yeah. absolutely yeah when when they come in the in the hospital I mean, we're have we luckily set up where we have a separate cat waiting room and dog waiting room, so the stress is a little bit less. Right. But definitely the stress of coming into the animal hospital changes the personality of everybody, the dogs, the cats, but probably to a higher degree, the cats. Okay. And so definitely when they come in, it can make it a little more challenging to come to a good diagnosis because they're stressed out, they're not going to show you what's sick, what's wrong. They... So definitely, that that would make it a, it's a little more of a challenge to to treat the cats when they come in the hospital.
0: So yeah, it also written down on here. <coughs> did if they're recovering from a similar like, and I don't know if there are. I would assume that cats and dogs could have similar types of illnesses or injuries. Oh, yeah. Does one breed do cats or dogs come back better? Does one recover better than the other or is it just like people it just depends on who it is not because not like it'd be like almost me saying do men or women and i know this answer if we get the flu women act much better with a few flu than men do so do like
1: dogs or cats Do one of them recover better well i mean i think a lot as far as as you know i had a i an orthopedic guy that trained me um used to say, John, if you can get the bones in the same room on a cat, they're going to (laughs) heal. And, and he was right. And, you know, and sometimes I'll see, you know, some pretty animals are pretty amazing. I mean, I think that, um, the ability to heal, the ability to fight off infections that would kill us, um, you, you, you would, it's, it's hard to fathom. Um, there the way was, they
0: tolerate pain is amazing too. Um,
1: and- I, you know, I think I think they just have different ways of showing it where I think that, that they, they have a higher, probably higher threshold for pain because being an animal and, and rid- their origin's coming from a, a need to survive. If, if you are in pain in the wild and you're showing signs, your weakness shows up, you're kicked out of the pack, you know, you're more of a target to, to predators around you. And so I think that there's... There evolutionarily there were things that, that weeded out the weaker ones and made the, the, the ones that had a higher tolerance for pain, you know, more likely to survive. And so I think that's part of it. I mean they're just again it, they're they're set up so differently. There was again a surgeon and this is years before I got there, but he used to and this is I'm not gonna say where, but he used to show people I mean that you could put I mean he used to say you can put rat crap in a dog's abdomen, and they're going to be fine, which is crazy, and, and and you would never do that. But I think what he was trying to get across is that something that would make you and I die quick, right? they're going to survive. Right. I mean, I've, I've seen dogs that, that have been chewed up by other dogs, and they came into the clinic, and they're dragging their intestines, or the owner has their intestines in a towel, and they're limping in, and we're able to put that all back, flush their abdomen out, start them on some antibiotics, they're out of the hospital in 24, 48 hours. If you're you or me, we're on open peritoneal drainage, we're on IV fluids, you know, you're getting critical care. You're, you're, and, and so you just you see things that are much more amazing. And in some ways, it, it, it kind of makes, not that the veterinarian's job, the veterinarian's job is hard in the respect that you can't talk to your patient, But the good thing about being a veterinarian is that they are strong and they're going to do better than if with many of the diseases that they have than what a person would do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just funny watching Dakota the way she reacts to you because she had some major surgery. And that's what's funny is her owner, father, whatever you want to call me, I was – terrified and you kept saying she's gonna be fine and i kept saying no she's not you don't understand this dog and she was fine and you know they are tough because it it, you know after that surgery it was amazing i never thought she would run again and i am super conservative when it comes to you know stressing that out and things so (laughs) it's it's amazing seeing her run now i still hold my breath i've made uh steps so she can get up and on the bed because we let her sleep on the bed uh is that good or bad, or is there a, or is that just a personal preference?
1: <clears throat> you know, it it's it's something where it, it makes her think that she's dominant or has a different spot in the pack at home. Um, and so it's not something that I'd normally recommend. With most dogs, you get away with it. With some dogs, it can lead to some behavior okay, problems. Okay, now I'm
0: going to have to edit this out. I'm going to have to edit that question out, or my wife's going to hear that, and Bobby's going to say the dog needs to sleep on the floor
1: you know it's too late though because once you, once yes, that threshold has been yes. crossed yes mm-hmm. yes and then you say oh nope i'm taking that away yeah. it doesn't work very well exactly so, so you've heard, you heard it bobby you've heard
0: stuff. it from from an expert we can't kick her out of the bed at this point so she's so funny she she is funny so and this is i need to put a poll out there for people that own Doberman. so you you know we we've alternated between blacks and and reds uh, for you all that are out there that don't know, there are four standard colors of Dobermans, uh, but we've gone back and forth. My reds love to be under the blankets, like under the electric blanket, under a heated blanket. My blacks never like to be covered up. It was so weird, and it, and it was always our two reds covered, our two blacks, they never wanted to be covered. And, it's, and we always thought that was odd. Oh, I'm going to ask you a question. Before we started recording, I had mentioned something about heaven. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. Animals, do you think animals will be in heaven? <laughs> I know this is a personal, and I know that no one's gonna be like, oh, Dr. Johnny said there are gonna be animals. I'm gonna be there. The reason I asked this is someone before I left Facebook a long time ago in a Doberman thing, their Doberman had just passed. They said they couldn't wait to get to heaven because they're hoping that their dog would be able to talk and they'd carry on deep whatever. And I'm like, I do not want my dogs to talk to me at all. The things that they have seen that you hide from your children, or just your even your spouse, or anything else in the world, you walk around naked. What? I don't want my dog. I don't need her. To, any of them coming you just back
1: painted a horrible picture. Of my I, know, I know, I know, but I don't.
0: I can't unthink that. I know, but I don't need them coming up to me and saying, "Hey, remember anything?" Nope. They they can. I don't need my dogs to talk. Do you think your animals will be able to talk to you in heaven?
1: You know, I, I am not a pastor or a Bible scholar. or And so that that's a hard question to ask. I know that with heaven, none of us are going to be disappointed when we get there. And, you know, I think that because, you know, for, for many people, their animals are such an important part of their life, um, and, and it was a joy that God provided us with now, Why wouldn't they be there then? And so it—it's hard. The flip side to that argument is: do do animals have souls? Um, And I, I again, that's not a question that I think that is at my pay grade to answer. And so I don't know. Do you have a
0: do you have a personal opinion that? I mean, I don't know. I think they do. I am probably not probably. If Bobby was here, she would smack me if I said probably. I am much nicer to animals than I am people. In fact, she gets mad at me if there is a wasp inside the house. I will do my best to catch the wasp and release it outside or a spider. I will try to release everything. We had to kill a snake out back once because it became a, in the middle of the night, it became a big nightmare with my wife and my sister who was in town who's terrified of snakes. And I mean, that hurt me for days that I had to kill that snake.
1: She called me. I would have come and got it.
0: I know. And I wanted to, but I was. So what what happened was in the middle of the night, my sister went outside to smoke and the dog went out there with her. And there was a snake out there. Not bothering anyone. It's the middle of the night. It's just a black snake not doing anything. Well, my sister comes in the house screaming at the top of her lungs that the dog has a snake in its mouth. So I go running out there. It didn't. We couldn't get it to move. I heard a lot. Well, I'm never going out on this patio again if you don't get rid of this snake. So a lot of that. I do love snakes. So I try to remove everything. So and I see the videos that I watch. I don't see how me personally, and this is just my personal, I, 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 I think they have souls, at least most animals. I mean, I when I look at my dog, I I can't imagine her not having a soul. But it gets back on me about I don't want her to be able to talk to my other dogs either when they get to heaven. I would love to be there with all my Dobermans. But the first Doberman I had, I I never thought I was going to get married. So it went with me everywhere, and it was not happy when I met Bobby. So she warmed up to Bobby, but she still – if Bobby asked her to do something, she would look at me to say, do I really need to do that? Uh, And then we had a couple of Dobermans that – we didn't let on the furniture, didn't sleep on the bed. They didn't do anything. And then we have this one that has free reign of that. She doesn't get on the furniture, but she sleeps in bed. And if you look at the number of toys this dog has and everything, I mean, she's spoiled. And I don't need those dogs talking amongst themselves about who got to do what. So that's another thing that I I want them in heaven. I don't need them to talk to me or to each other. They can just be like it is or on heaven. Um, I do have a question that I wrote down here. Service versus emotional support animals. Is there a legal separation between the two? Oh boy! And the reason I wrote this down is I see a lot of people coming to the store that I work at at my real job, which is retail, and a lot of people have animals. I don't know which one their terms support or more or a support a- or service animal or emotional support. But I look at it and I'm like, I not I don't understand how. That's, that's helping.
1: And I don't know. So technically a service dog is a dog like a seeing eye dog that, you know, So is a service always going to
0: be a dog or for the most
1: part? Um, You know, yeah, yes. Okay. I mean, I think most of the times. Because they're
0: actually performing a function.
1: They're, they're performing a function that the the owner is unable to do. Okay. Um, A service dog is a dog that's going to help a blind man across a hall walk down the street, you know, and protect them and keep them, you know, safe with, you know, visual deficits that they have. Right. Um, they have service dogs that can detect when someone's blood sugar is low. I don't know whether they can smell it or what it is Isn't about us. Amazing? It's not that amazing? It's fantastic. And so you'll have people that are diabetic that have dogs that can recognize when their, their blood sugar is low. They even have dogs that can recognize if you're going to have a seizure or di- different things. There are some service dogs who, for people that have physical deficits, aren't able to stand, that, that help pull them out of a chair, that, that do some things along those lines. And so, in my mind, the service dog is something who is doing something physical for people who are unable to do those things themselves. Okay, And, and then and
0: emotional, support. emotional
1: support gets really, really gray, where and right now you can go online and you can get – if you fill out an application at about a different place, about a billion different places, and you can get a certificate that says Rover is an emotional support dog, and that may be true, it may not be true. It may be something. You know, I think that there are many cases where people with PTSD they they have a dog, it calms them down, or they have a cat, it calms them down, um, and helps them to manage. <clears throat> the difficulties that someone with PTSD, which I can't even imagine, um, that they have every day with trying to get through a day without having a, a breakdown. Okay.
0: So and that, that's what I didn't <coughs> understand, the, the, the real difference between that. And I, I've never tried to judge because I know that one of the things that I do here is I feed the rabbits and the squirrels out back. And feeding the squirrels is, I don't know why, it's calming. I, I feed them nuts. I mean, there's a couple of the squirrels that will let me get within – you know, four or five inches from them, they'll just sit there while I put nuts down in front of them. We always videotape it because we're fully expecting it to go up my arm and attack my face. But, um, so I, I do understand that and that's a squirrel and I know it's, I'm not doing it. It's not going anywhere, but I guess I can understand that sometimes just having something that's with you or something can, can give you that calming effect. Now, do you ever have, do you have any input on, an animal, whether it becomes a service dog or an emotional support, or is that has nothing to do with a veterinarian?
1: Um, It does. I mean, there's, there are many times that that we're called upon to do a physical and temperament testing on many of these animals, particularly if they are taking them to old folks homes or schools or things along those lines where um, it really comes down to our call on, on behaviorally. What's this dog like? We have a little better history, as far as how they are in the clinic, and obviously they're not the same in the clinic all the time that they are right. out in public, but we definitely we definitely have a voice in many of those situations where different groups that certify these dogs as animals that can go and visit an old folks' home or visit Children's Mercy or do things along those lines, they have to receive some special training, and they also have evaluations by veterinarians that say, yeah, behaviorally we're good or behaviorally you don't want that dog around
0: it was funny because at the place where i worked at some people were complaining that there was a dog hanging out by the front door the automatic doors but it wouldn't come in and people are idiots because let's don't do anything about it let's just talk so i went out there and it's wearing a support vest and it had a name on it so i I, because it was standing at the door i knew it was needing someone inside the building or i assumed it did so i go I go, do you, I actually asked the dog, do you need to find someone that looked at me? So we opened the door, we walked in. And I yelled, does anyone have a dog named? And I said that. I heard some guy go, why? And the dog's ears perked out. That dog took off. It heard that per... And when I, so I went over there, and he's like, oh, yeah, I left. I just needed to come in and pick something up. He had left it in the truck. It was for PTSD. It was a nice day, but he had left the windows down, and it decided that it needed to check on him. But it was so amazing that the dog... And then as soon as it came in, as soon as it heard its voice and it knew that's where it was supposed to go. Yep. I mean, just, just amazing. So... Um, one last question I'm going to ask you before we go, this really has nothing to do about veterinary medicine. I've been watching a lot of TV shows and movies lately. And for some reason, it seems like people can just pull out blueprints, throw them on a table and anyone can read them. If I pulled out blueprints for Crest Animal Hospital and threw them on the table, would you be able to make heads or tails out of them? I'm just trying to figure out whether I miss something, whether I should be able to le- read blueprints and I just skip that week in school or something.
1: Depends on upon what kind of blueprint you're looking at. I mean, if it's like a schematic of the organization of, of Crest, you would be able to look in that and go, oh, here's the front door. Okay, that's the lobby. Okay, you go through the lobby and there's four rooms, so this must be exam rooms. Behind that, there's a hallway. It's probably functional for something. Oh, and then we've got this... Two room. Location. See, I think
0: I think I miss something. I wouldn't have. I mean, I just. It's always like, it's just funny. It seems like every movie I watch now, it's like, oh, we got to pull out blueprints, and I pull them out, and everyone just automatic. Well, here's this, and and a lot of times, I understand you when I mention that because you're, it's your building, and how long right. have you been?
1: Twenty years. There Twenty years. At Crest. Yeah, yeah, and and
0: here. tell everyone also. I know we're late in the show. Where are you located? It's Crest Animal Crest Hospital. Crest
1: Animal Hospital. It's in South Kansas City on Hickman Mills Drive. Okay,
0: so uh, it, it's a wonderful place. I've taken my dogs there for ever and a day, and it's it's amazing. So I've always had so much fun when I come to the office and see you, and I know that. Dakota's over there giving you the side eye, but she, she's actually doing much better than I thought. And she usually does that. That's one thing that's so weird with her is that we've always thought that she has face blindness because even our next-door neighbor who she she sees every day, when she sees them, she's so standoffish for like the first three or four minutes. And then she's like, oh, okay, it's you. It's the weirdest
1: thing. It, it's a protective thing. I mean, just... When I came in the house, she's barking like crazy. Right. Um, She's and then now she has settled down because she realizes that I'm not a threat. Her job in her mind is to take care of Rodney. I know it. And and so that's it. And and in in her mind, you have actually elevated her above Bobby because she's probably sleeping between you and Bobby. Or and and so you know,
0: no, Bobby and I are back to back, and then I'm the big spoon, the Dakota being the small spoon.
1: Right, so so you're spooning your dog, and your wife's got her back to you. I mean, you think about that a while.
0: Oh, Bobby and I have definitely had this talk before. So there was a – and I'm not going to put you on the spot by saying – I'm Johnny on the spot. By playing this game. No, you will not want to play this game. It was called um, Better, Worse, the Same. And remember the movie Freaky Friday where the mother and daughter flip? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had always joked if Bobby and Dakota flipped – and so my wife's soul and everything was in my dog, and then the other. And Bobby and I both agree, both of our lives would be better if that happened. Yeah. So, and I don't know if that's good or not. I think it's just funny. But, no, it's – uh. Dakota, It doesn't matter where I lay next to Bobby. She always wants to face away from me. Maybe that's saying something about my looks at night. I don't know what's going on. So Dakota just decided to take – she's like he needs the spoon with someone, so she took my spot.
1: So what What you could do with that, you, you can run with this, and, and you can go online, and she becomes your emotional support dog. You put a vest on her. You can take her on a plane. Yeah. You can take her on a bus. You gonna take her on a train. You can walk in buildings with her now. Well, you
0: remember my, my first Doberman – that I had, she literally went everywhere. I worked oh, in a yeah. mall at the time, and she went in the mall. And it, I never had a leash on her. She just walked in. Everyone knew who she was. She just, I, I, put a little gate up, and she was always with me. And that's why when Bobby and I met, she had never chewed anything of mine. But she would go find. She knew what was important to Bobby, whether it was a hairbrush, a new pair of shoes she just bought. She would know it was important, and she would. She wouldn't chew them up. She would, like, chew them just enough that there were teeth marks on them. So it was, like, damaged but not ruined. So, ammo. well.
1: Again, she was, and this has a little bit to do with the way that you raised her. Um, She thought that she was in the pack. She was an alpha to Bobby. And so because of that, What's mine is mine. What yours is mine. And she was just kind of reminding Bobby of, that oh yeah, in, in yeah. her doggy kind of way. And I,
0: so here's another thing. Have you seen the movie John Wick?
1: Uh, you know, I, I've seen part of it. Have you seen
0: the the Have you seen the very first part of it where, where, where he gets the dog? Yeah, yeah. So I joked with Bobby that I was going to do that to her when I died because she doesn't want to get another dog because yeah. if I pass away, she doesn't want to deal with. A dog. They get these Dobermans tend to get very clingy to whoever trains them. And like if I train them, then she just doesn't want to deal with that. So I said, as a joke, because I'm going to be dead, I will think it's funny in the afterlife that I was going to send her a dog. So she goes, I won't open the door. She goes, The day you die, I will not open the door. I was like, Okay, well, whatever. So, but I just thought it'd be funny to send her a dog. And that would be little Roro would show up. Little Roro. Yeah. So. Dr. John, Lyle, thank you so much for uh, being on the Roro Show with Stephen. Uh, I'm going to have you on again because I love talking to you. Um, and then maybe we'll talk about football next time.
1: Um, we can talk about football. We can talk about – well, real quick, i got to tell okay. a, a Roro story. Oh, no. I've, I've known Roro forever. I mean, probably at least – probably closing in on 45 to 50 years. That's that, what I was thinking, that, too. That I've known Roro. And one of my greatest memories and, – and I actually still have the scar – um, we, we, we used to horse around at church. My family was at church a lot. Rod's mom worked at the church. I went to the preschool that mom, Rod's mom was in charge. So in, in some ways, Rod's mom was my second mom. Um, but we, we would horse around, and we were kind of like brothers, and so sometimes we'd fight and sometimes we'd be friends. Well, this time we were fighting, and Rod grabbed a pencil out of the pew and was chasing me around with a pencil in the front of the church and was like, I'm going to stab you with this. I'm going to stab you with this. <laughs> I'm running, trying to get, trying to get away with from, from him. And he dove and literally stabbed me in the calf. I still have the, 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 the lead in my calf from that stabbing. And, and you can see the a little bit of the black stuff. It's well, it's I, I think the, the biggest question about this
0: is what the heck did you do to make me so mad at you?
1: Well, I, I was an annoying kid and I made sure that I could like push people's buttons and push people's buttons until they blew. But yeah, and so, but then, you know, you're a little kid and I'm thinking, I'm going to die. I just got lead poisoning and I am going to die. Rodney Martin killed me. And so I went home and I remember I was crying. I told my dad, I'm like, Dad, Rodney stabbed me in the leg. I think I've got lead poisoning. And he goes, Well, let me see. And and I showed it to him. He's like, That's a pencil lead. It's a total different thing. (laughs) But to this day... Yeah, I, but I we grew up have, in the 70s, so I, I, could still... under,
0: I could understand our parents being worried about something with lead in it because of the <laughs> 70s. So, yeah, I don't remember that story. It's weird what we remember and what we don't remember. I mean, I, I think about that every time, once in a while, I'll remember something from the 70s. It's like, why Why is that the one thing that... Because it's its not like it seems like important. It's like, yeah. you know, you did this, and it's like, that doesn't... It, it, I i don't know why, but i I... So I don't think about that stuff. So anyway, uh, John, thank you so much. You bet, ride. Right. It's so good to see
1: you, man. It's good to get see you time too. Time to hang out. Yeah.
0: So anyway, everyone else, thank you for joining us for this special episode of the Roro Show with Stephen. Until next time, we'll hear. You, we'll talk to y'all later.